Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Matt Gillis. Matt, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Kevin, I am excited to be part of the Rising Tide. See, Matt's face is, he's like at the, this poker face because I just did the worst intro in three years. Just you crushed it. Just you crushed, crushed it, it. It's Kevin. Like, it's like I had marbles in my mouth or something like that. It's like, it's where am I? I? I had a had a stroke there for a second. A little radio voice came in there. I thought you sounded like you did you do radio right. on the side Edward R. Murrow there or something just for a second. But Matt, I am, uh, I'm really thrilled to uh, have you on the podcast today. So share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Hey, Kevin. Well, uh, so... Uh, my name is Matt Gillis. I'm the CEO of Clean.io. Um, been a business guy now for probably 25 years, which kind of tells my age, I guess. Um, I'm I'm 23, um, so I'm negative two. But I've been working not even in dog out, years, right? <laughs> yeah, but no. I listen. I've I've uh, I've been working a long time. Um, been in mobile my whole career. So started uh, working at mobile operators. Uh, so uh, I'm Canadian, so I'm from Toronto, uh, worked at Bell Mobility, which is the big operator up in Canada, and then moved down here to work at Verizon Wireless um, and started, you know, in the earliest days of the things that you do on your cell phones, uh, besides make phone calls. So things like downloading games and ringtones, if you remember those, mm -hmm, they, they were in and out in about a year, but, um, and then, uh, and then kind of went on an entrepreneurial journey and did a few startups in a row uh, that has led me to this one. And um, you know, I've been this, this fun career journey where you kind of like each one kind of stitches to the next one, to the next one. And, and, you know, if anybody out in, in, in listening land has been at a startup or, uh, you know, wanted to work at a startup, it's exactly what it is. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And normally they all fail. Uh, at least most of them do. Um, but it's the most electric highs uh, and electric lows. And so if you, love riding that roller coaster, you'll never want to do anything different. And that's kind of what it's been like me for the last 15 years or so. I got to tell you a really quick, funny story about ringtones. So we, we were, this is when we were living in, in England as a family. And, and I was at a church prayer meeting of all places. And a friend of mine in the middle of the prayer, got a, a, I guess it was the, you know, how you can assign a ringtone to a contact. Yeah. His wife called and in the best Yoda voice, it said, message from the dark side, have we? <laughs> and you so, yeah, the, the most inappropriate time, absolutely the most inappropriate time. But I am, yeah. I'm really anxious to kind of unpack your story because so often when, when I talk to founders, and, and like I said, I've done this for, for three years now, when I talk to founders, it's, it's rare that they have had a, a pretty long run kind of in corporate land. And then all of a sudden, just kind of step out into into doing it doing it on their own because it's almost like that you've got to take that fork in the road early, you know, when you can still handle the risk, when you don't have the kind of you know debt and and that type of thing, You're family right. encumbrance and stuff like that that you have to worry about, or yeah. you get so locked in kind of with like like the golden handcuffs that you know you just can't afford to to step out of that. So. Talk, tell me, walk me through that, that transition story. God, you're spot on. Um, <laughs> As no, the Brits you know, would say. I, I did. Uh, so I went to university and I got my degree and, and uh, you know, and wanted to just have a job and I got lucky and, and, you know, uh, you know, nepotism and contacts and found my way into the phone company, which everyone says is the greatest job ever. Right. Cause it's job security. 
right. and, and I think the, our for, version is the postal 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 service. Well, maybe. Um, but Used to be. I digress. Yeah, I. <laughs> Um, the mail does not come on time anymore, which kind of sucks, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I got, I, I got a BA and, and what I say to folks is that like, you know, a lot of folks kind of, you know, do their undergrad degree and then they go and do their MBA. And I think I was very fortunate where, um, I did so many different jobs at the phone company where I was in marketing or I was in event marketing or advertising or, uh, you know, new product development and all these sort of things. I kind of went and got my MBA Mm. on somebody else's dime at the phone company. And, um, and I was on, on the, you know, on the front row, front row seat to all these bleeding edge changes um, in technology. And so my first job, I was standing on a golf course, letting, you know, business women and businessmen make phone calls. Like you remember, like most people did not have cell phones in the 1990s. Right. And so that was my first job. And um, was it in a bag. Uh, the first phones were in bags or they were like the size of a brick, if right. you remember, yeah, so right? Holding your shoe up to your head. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so I did that. And um, and then obviously I progressed to where, you know, the things that you do with your phone now, you take for granted everything, mm. uh, like that you can do email or you can take pictures or you can send videos or you can play games or you can, you know, pick every other device that the phone has replaced. Um, but I started to get opportunities at the phone company in those bleeding edge services. And, and that's what led me down here. Um, and my last job at Verizon, and I say job because it was a job, because mm -hmm. uh, I don't believe startups are jobs. And I'll, I'll right. explain that. Right. But my last job, um, I made great money. I had great responsibility. And um, I was the games buyer at Verizon. So any games company that wanted to like sell their games to Verizon's customers. I was the guy that they would call. And uh, so I had this awesome job. I got to play games all day on my phone and, you know, look at new stuff and mm -hmm. very cool. And, uh, but I saw a lot of these guys making a lot of money. And this was 2003 to 2005. So before the iPhone. Right. And uh, I was presented with an opportunity to go and join two guys at a startup, they had just started it. And they're like, Hey, why don't you come and join us? And we'll make games for cell phones. And so for me, I had that decision point that you were talking about, which was, I had just gotten married in 2004. Um, I think we had a baby on the way. My first child was on the way. And uh, I was pressed with this decision of, do I leave the comforts and the stability mm -hmm. and the benefits and no golden handcuffs at the time I was too low down the totem pole, but um, I could make great money and I probably had right. a job for life. Right. And I took that risk and I, and, and, and I actually met with a couple of my mentors, but one of them was my uncle. And I said, like, here's my dilemma. Do I go this direction? And he kind of like worked me through that pro and con list of what can go right and what can go wrong. Yeah. And his question to me was, well, if you go down that path and let's just say it fails, because most of them fail, like, like what position will you be in? And I'm like, well, I will have had a year, hopefully of, you know, sweating and grinding right. and Great getting experience. all those, getting all that yeah. skills. Yeah. And like, mm -hmm. and, uh, and walking on a tightrope with no net underneath <laughs> me. Um, and so I, my, the way I thought through it was I will get the life skills that actually will probably make me even more employable by someone else. If this fails, sure. if it's successful, mm -hmm. well then hopefully I should, you know, have financial freedom if we're really successful. Right. And, um, so I took the job, my first risk, 
three guys working on games. Our first game was who wants to be a millionaire, which is, um, you know, that TV show that we mm -hmm. took to mobile. Uh, and 11 months later, we sold that company to Capcom, which is a Japanese video game company mm -hmm. who makes street fighter and resident evil right. and mega man, all these big platform classics. Um, and so that was my first taste of entrepreneurial experience and success. And uh, it stinks because when you have success, then you want to go and do it again and again and again and again. <laughs> right. And so it's a bug that I have now. And uh, so that that was kind of what what caused me to kind of jump off that first jumping off point and, and go and do the entrepreneurial thing. Uh, and then after that, I ran, I you know ran the mobile publishing side of that company for four years after the acquisition. So I stayed. I had a great boss there. Um, loved what I did. And then uh, had a chance to go to another startup. And then rode that one out. And then now I'm here. And here we are. It's well, awesome. See, I, that that was a question that 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 kind of came to mind as you were kind of walking through that that kind of that that timeline was, you know, once you got that taste, you know, it's like the shark got, gets a little taste of blood. I mean, you know, were you were you broken? You know, in air quotes, were you broken from then on? Like, I can't go back and just get a job. I mean, I, I've got to be in an environment that is rapidly changing that has the highs and the lows that has the excitement of a startup and and are you designed to, to be in the you know upward right hockey stick you know portion of a startup or of a company's life cycle because i, I have a feeling that when it plateaus or starts in maintenance mode you would you, you might get bored i think you're probably right um yeah like i love the build i love the God, I don't know if this is going to work. Right. Um, I love the, if that customer doesn't do a deal with us, we might be out of luck. <laughs> like, like, right. the, like, and, and so the, the, the things that make most people not sleep at night are the things that invigorate me. And uh, the interesting thing is that like, I'll tell people like, I've, I've never made a decision in my entire career based on money. Because obviously when you go to work at a startup, you're usually making a lot less money than you mm -hmm. could make at a job. Um, but what I focused on are, uh, you know, finding like a problem that I really want to go and solve, mm. um, finding a team of people that you really want to go and solve it with. Like you're right. going to spend, you know, what, 12 hours a day, at least in a startup with these people, you better like them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, what's cool about where I am now is that, you know, we basically, the machine had already started running. There was five founders before me that had kind of started to build this thing. And, um, but we've been able to grow this thing to now about 45 people. So it's, you know, I've, I've had the benefit of being at a couple startups and you, you, when you work at those startups, you find the people that like you really tick with. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, now this is my third startup where you're like, okay, uh, who is the best person in the world at this? Right. Uh, that's Kathy, not, I need mm -hmm. to work with her again. Mm -hmm. So Kathy, you want to come join us? And yep. like, so like, that's to me, the, the exciting it's the exciting part of it. And, and so, yeah, it's not about money. And by the way, if you find a, a problem you love to solve with a team of people you love to solve it with, guess what? The money works itself out. Mm -hmm. Like it, you'll find, hopefully you'll find success. Um, right. So yeah, that, I've been just so fortunate. So you're, you're probably the third or fourth founder that I've talked to in the last, you know, couple of months that, that were not the original like CEO of the company that they're that they're leading right now. And it's really interesting to hear the transition story to go from say the previous CEO to where you are today. What what issues did you run into when you when you kind of stepped in that role and 
and how did your team respond, you know, to new leadership and, and maybe even what lessons have you, did you learn at other places that you could kind of bring to bear, you know, in, in kind of assuming the role of a, the leadership role of another company? Yeah, th th this one is, is very different than any of the other ones that I've been involved in. But so this one, um, you know, I was running um, the publisher platforms business for uh, the division was called Oath, which is the combination of AOL and Yahoo. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I left that role in uh, summer of 2018. Um, I took some time off. I wanted to spend time with my kids and I wanted to golf a little bit and spend time with my wife. Um, and about three months in, as you can probably tell, I, you know, I was getting a little fidgety and, um, you can only and, watch so much Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Well, at the time it was Ellen, right? I just sit on the couch and watch Ellen. Wow, and, Ellen would send me back to work too. <laughs> it, well, I kind of like Ellen. Ellen's pretty good. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, I was, uh, you know, ready to kind of do something. And I, I ran into two guys that I worked with at AOL. In fact, these were the two guys that had made the business case to acquire, the company that I was at before that mm. got acquired into AOL. So that's, I got, I landed in AOL through an acquisition. So right. I've gone through this like startup acquired by a big company, startup acquired by a big company. And now mm -hmm. I'm back at the startup. And, um, and so, yeah, so, you know, ran into these two guys and they had an incubator and they're like, Hey, we got some ideas. We're working on this one. It's at the time it was called clean creative. Uh, and they were like, listen, we're, you know, going out and solving this age old problem of malicious ads that ruin the user experience. I mean, you've probably had it happen to you where you're on a website and then all of a sudden it redirects you and says, sure. congratulations, Kevin, you right. want an Amazon gift card. And you're like, right. I didn't click anything. So anyway, so th that was the problem that they were going to solve, but they had a much bigger vision for it. Um, and I just said to them like, hey, I'm not working right now. Um, it's getting too cold to golf. Could I come hang out? Like maybe I'll come in a day a week or you know, every other week and just like intern for you. And they said, well, yeah, I mean, we'd always love any help, why don't you come and check it out? And so I went and spent a, a day with them the first week. And then I sent, I think I spent a day or two with them the second week. And I just said to them, I said, like, I think you guys are really onto something here. I think there's something really big. And I mean, I would love to really like go deep with this. And they said, well, like, let's, you know, get you engaged with the rest of the team. And, um, and that's kind of how it, it, it started. Um, mm. And so it wasn't like there was a, like, I mean, they were a small team of five mm -hmm. people with, you know, a couple other engineers and folks kind of picking up right. the pieces. Um, and, you know, they had structure, but they didn't really like, didn't really have a, you know, quote unquote CEO that was out, right. you know, raising money and pounding the pavement. And so I, you know, kind of just said, Hey, I like, I'd like to be that guy. And they were like, okay, great. Like, why don't we go do it? And we've always had this kind of like team is greater than self approach. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's not about titles. It's not about right. like who's who in the hierarchy or bureaucracy. It's really about like, what are the outcomes that we're going to try and deliver on? Mm -hmm. And so that's where we've always focused, but somebody has to wear the CEO hat because right. when you raise money, you know, somebody has to be accountable to the people that write you those checks. So that Absolutely. was going to be me. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I joined on and, and raised money and the team has been amazing, right? Like it's, you know, we we're now like 45 ish working mm -hmm. on this problem. Um, we're spread all over the world. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not all sitting in your office. I mean, obviously no. you've got a pretty distributed team maybe. Yeah, we got people, uh, you know, we got people in Dallas. We got people in DC. We got people in Baltimore. We got people in New York. We got people in the Ukraine. So we're global. Mm -hmm. um, we are, we are basically operate every time zone uh, throughout, a, throughout a, a business day. Um, so yeah, so I, I, like, I feel like I didn't walk into a situation that was damaged that it was like, hey, let's replace the CEO. It was right. like, Hey, how do we add yet another 
person to this team that can make this bigger and that can give us a greater chance of success. And that's where I feel like skill set. Yeah. 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 So is this a B2B or B2C platform that you're building or is it a little bit of both? So we're a B2B company. So we, uh, you know, our core business is a product called clean ad that we sell to uh, publishers and platforms who uh, deliver ads uh, or monetize with ads on the internet. So think of your favorite news site, your favorite entertainment site, your favorite sports site. Our technology probably runs on many of them. We run on 7 million sites per month. Um, So big scale. Um, And um, so that's one side of our business. The other side of our business is called Clean Cart. uh, And we similarly protect e-commerce merchants. Um, So anybody who has, uh, you know, an e-commerce store on the internet, um, you may be familiar with how, um, you know, JavaScript executes. I don't know if you are, but um, there are times where JavaScript will execute on someone's website without their permission or Mm -hmm. without their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so we give controls to those websites to protect them from malicious or untrusted JavaScript. So that's the business we're in. It's B2C, either selling to e-commerce merchants or websites. Right. So it's, it's not, it's not like a, it's not like software I can just put on my computer to keep it from redirecting to all these kind of malware sites or whatever. Yeah, you're right. We're not like an antivirus company. Mm -hmm. Um, we are running on sites already, probably where you go every day and you don't know about it, but we are protecting your user experience right. and we are protecting the revenue that that site generates. So yeah, they, they hire us to protect you from getting those crummy experiences. And I mean, I, I remember you mentioned something about uh, like in another interview you had done, not only revenue, but reputation, you know, being such a huge deal. Like if, if I have a, a pretty known site and, and someone goes there and they get blasted with this mal ads or whatever, they may say, I'm not going to go back there because uh, number one, I'm scared of it, or it, it was annoying, you know, user experience type things. So I'm not, I would say that that would also be an issue at hand as well. You're right. Like, and you actually said something like a well-known site, like it doesn't matter how well-known it is the way I yeah. look at it. Yeah. it it's kind of like any restaurant. So if you were like mm. PF Chang's or uh, you know, Cheesecake Factory, which are big right. restaurants, or if right. you're like Johnny's Pizza down the street, yep. if you deliver food and the person gets food poisoning, that's a bad experience. Yep. And so we look at it the same way. It doesn't <laughs> matter how big your website is. It costs you a lot to create content. It lost, costs you a lot to get eyeballs and people to come to your site mm-hmm. and drive that traffic. So once you've got them there, serve them a good meal, like give them an experience that they're delighted by. So they keep coming back. If they get there, and they have a shady ad experience and it redirects you to somewhere where it says you want an Amazon gift card or your phone has viruses, click here and the back button is disabled or you can't close it or like all those sort of things, which mm-hmm. is what these experiences do. If you don't have our software, that stinks and users will just never go back to those sites. Right. So, yeah. Right. Now, is this like proprietary software, this, this uh, product that you created and is it is it like, do you have to individualize it to each user or is it literally just like, this is a script that's kind of running in the background and it's just protecting you. And it's, it's, a, it's a kind of, you know, well-designed because it captures 98% of, you know, mal ads out there or whatever you want to call it. Um, how yeah, do, what's pat- the basic business model? Yeah, so it's patented. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so we've got a bunch of patents. Uh, it is a, a basic script that uh, sits at the top of the page when, uh, that page loads, right? So we're the first thing that fires on pretty much every page view that, that where our code runs. Uh, and in the background, what we're doing is we're looking and listening for execution of third-party JavaScript. Mm-hmm. 
and making sure that it's not doing nefarious things. And if it's going to do nefarious things, we chop it off and we prevent it from happening. Right. That's basically how it works. Um, And uh, the business model, um, our partners pay us, uh, you know, they're used to getting revenue in a, it's called CPM, a cost per Mm -hmm. meal, cost per thousand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they pay us a a very small CPM fee for us to protect their site, their users, their reputation. So that's- You you see, you're so good. You you answer questions before I ask them. I mean, my next question was kind of what the the pricing structure, I mean, if, you know, Joe's Pizza versus Cheesecake Factory, you know, depending on, on web traffic solely. Yeah, so it's totally it's it's volume based it's SaaS agreements, so it's twelve month agreements, mm-hmm. um, and um, so it's very predictable. But again, so is our service is predictable. Like you know, we we believe that we have the most effective technology in the ecosystem to prevent these sort of problems, um, and you know we work while you're sleeping, and you know as as you probably know. You know, cybersecurity is not about if you get beat, it's when you get beat and how fast you can react. And so, you know, bad actors every day are trying to counter what we're doing. They're trying Mm -hmm. to get around us or through us or any which way they can to create the engagement that they're trying to create. And so that's what requires us to, you know, most businesses, you know, you build a product and you launch it and then you move to the next product. Exactly. And cybersecurity isn't like that. Cybersecurity Mm -hmm. requires constant iteration, constant Mm -hmm. innovation. And you're actually, you're really never done building, if that makes sense. Because, you know, you think about- They're never done hacking. They're never done hacking. (laughs) You think about antivirus, you know, antivirus, you like it's, you know, you, you, when you buy Norton as a user, you are always updating your definitions. Well, guess what? Same sort of business. Yeah. I mean, by definition, if it's off the shelf, it's obsolete. Because yeah. it hasn't been yeah. updated yeah. today. But yeah, like we're still buying stuff off the shelf. But so yeah. what about like WordPress plugins and, and things like that? How does that interact with with your script that's running? Like, do you have to, I mean, does it have to play nice, you know, with with the plugins? I mean, are there conflicts, you know, sometimes with plugins that that you know you add to a site? What's interesting is, um, and I think what's unique about our situation is that like, we don't control any of the environment, mm. right? So every web setup is different. Every browser is different. Every handset is different. Every you know, PC or machine is different. The environment is different. There may be, you know, if you may be using Chrome on your desktop and you've got you know, all these client side injections happening through Chrome extensions or whatnot. Right. Like, so like we don't control the environment. We're just a, that code on page that is monitoring at runtime what's happening to that user experience. So, um, so yeah, we like our our product has been written to be very, uh, you know, scalable, very configurable, and um, you know, in many cases, it's somewhat write once, run run everywhere because um, it has to be. Like I mean, mm-hmm. like, as I said, we work on seven million sites. You can't, uh, you know, have to tweak knobs for every site that you run on. So it's very scalable. Is there a is there kind of a a what am I want to say? Maybe a community of service providers like yourself. Do you talk to your competitors and say, "Hey, this new something something's coming down the line. Hey, we need to be aware of this." I mean, <laughs> you know, like like if you just. I mean, obviously, you know, it's an arms okay race. If, if they go, <laughs> no, it, we it, don't want to. Yeah. It's an it's an arms race, right? That's what cyber is, right? So. Right. To me, like we we want to be the most effective, smart, and simple solution to partner with. And um, you know, when we first launched our product back, uh, you know, three years ago, um, we partnered with a bunch of websites, 
and I wasn't here at the time, so I'm, I'm telling the story of the founders, but we partnered with a bunch of websites just to get live traffic that we could test on. Mm -hmm. um, and as we, as we kind of met with these folks and we you know, went through our beta at the time, we said, like, what is most important to you? And the problem is, is that if you give someone a list and say, here are 10 things, can you tell me you know, how important? And like, they're going to tell you, I want all of them. Mm -hmm. And so we actually forced our partners to trade off. We said like, what is the most important thing that you want from us? And basically all of our partners at the time, and they're all still our customers came back to us and said like the number three, if I were to list the top three, it's effectiveness, effectiveness, and effectiveness. Mm -hmm. We just want this problem to go away. Mm -hmm. This problem keeps us up night and day. The bad actors are constantly attacking us evenings, weekends, holidays, when no one's around. And it's just like, it's destructive to our revenue and our right. user experience and our reputation. And so we launched, we didn't even have a dashboard. Like you couldn't even go somewhere to see what we were doing on your site. <laughs> but what we said to these people was like, you guys have all these metrics that you look at every day. Why don't you look in your dashboard? And when you're under attack, look at what happens to your KPIs. So mm -hmm. if an average user session would come and you'd serve that person 42 ads, well, when you're under attack, you probably go to like five ads or maybe mm -hmm. eight ads. And so then put our script on and watch your KPIs return to normal. And so and that's kind of what we focused on. Effectiveness was uh, the, the key factor that we think mattered to folks and, and what they were going to judge us on. I, I mean, absolutely. If I'm looking at your data versus my data, I would I would much sooner trust the effectiveness of what you're trying to do if I can see it in my own environment. Yeah. You know, it's not, and I know it's just not a sales tool. It's not a dashboard you've created to make your your service look, you know, look effective or whatever. But yeah, it's it does seem like almost a a an unwinnable war. You know, when you're just competing against this constant barrage of you know, of nefarious actors, like you say out there. So mm -hmm. if, I am, if I am a business owner and you and I are stepping on an elevator, we're going to go up 10 floors. We've got about 45 seconds. Give me your, your quick business pitch on, on um, exactly how you can be effective for my, for my site. Listen, we're a digital engagement security platform. We protect user experiences. We protect engagements. We protect revenue and we protect your reputation. We believe that you know, we love the free and open internet. We think it's here to stay. We think that you should be able to monetize through ads. We think you should be able to sell things on the internet. But we also believe that you own your website and you should be able to control every aspect of that user experience on your website. So in one case, the free and open internet, you know, it's great, but it actually, wherever there's money, there's criminals mm -hmm. or there's nefarious folks or there's folks looking to disrupt. And that's where we come in. We put a moat around your business. We protect all of those things that really matter to you so that you can sleep better, that you can monetize better, that you can market better, that you can convert better, uh, and ultimately control that user experience that you want to know, um, you know, that they have a delightful experience when they come to your property. Ding, elevator doors open. I took your business card. You've got another, another happy that, customer. You've did got, you, did you, you buy it? Sold. That's right. I did. Absolutely did. Oh. But is it's interesting to me that, that is it, are most of your clients you onboard, are they companies that have had issues in the past or are these companies that are trying to get ahead of the curve a little bit and say, you know what, we're, we, we don't want, we know that this is possible. We're trying to avoid this, this reality. I would say it's a mix of both. And the cool thing is, is that we give everybody like a 30 day free trial. So 
what, what better way to find out if you have health issues than to go in and get a free, t- free CT scan? And that's basically what we do. So over right. that 30 day period, you're going to get a scan. You're going to understand exactly what's happening on your site. Many folks, if, if they have a problem, uh, they probably know about it. Their users mm-hmm. will tell them, um, you know, often you can go to Twitter and folks, you know, as you know, it's a nasty place on the open mm-hmm. internet, but yeah. on Twitter, people will tell you how they really feel about your product. Yeah. And so if you and got rarely a website, what they like it, it's normally yeah. when they're not happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of miserable people out there, but <laughs> If you deliver a bad meal to someone, you deserve to be shamed. And so, <laughs> uh, so many of these websites, yeah, people will go online and say like, hey, uh, you know, pick your dot com. Um, you know, uh, you guys have malware. You guys are delivering crummy user experiences. So, you know, I think most cases, if you're, if it's really out of control, uh, your users will tell you. Do you know your, like, what's, what's the retention rate after the first 30 days? I mean, how... What's the percentage of people that that continue the service after the initial 30 day? It's incredibly high. It's incredible. I had had a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the reality is, is that everyone will see that somehow, specifically if you're monetizing um, through programmatic media. So I don't don't know if we probably don't have a long enough podcast for me to completely explain programmatic media, but it's the automated buying and selling of ads on websites. Mm. And, and the problem when you have that automation is, is that's where the bad actors can creep in because mm. they can go and buy on any website. It really kind of opens up the ecosystem and makes it widely available. Um, so yeah, the, I think the, the challenge is most folks that are monetizing through those means um, probably like that's where the bad actors are creeping in. And, and that's where it happens on that side. On the other side of our business, on the e-commerce side, um, the problem, the main problem that we're stopping on that front is... Um, you know, we prevent these discount extensions like Honey and Wikibuy, Capital right. One Shopping, from destroying margins and revenue uh, and taking over the user experience on e-commerce websites. It's very easy to see that. Like if you're a merchant, you know how many discount codes are being redeemed. Mm. Uh, you can go to your own website and you can download Honey and you can watch it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had websites where I've gone in and I've saved 100% off. I've saved my entire order value because Wikibuy loaded in a $75 off coupon and my order was only 60 bucks. So, you know, I think, you know, what I tell folks is like, if you're operating these public facing websites or e-commerce stores, it's like live the life of your consumer, like go and do what the consumer does on these properties and experience it and see how delightful the user experience is or things that you need to change. Right. Right. So I mean, we talked a lot about kind of the mechanics of, of what your company does, but let, let's talk about what, what does it look like for the last, you know, you, did you, you came in in 2018? Is that what you said? I or? came in at the end of 18. Okay. Um, yep. We uh, listen, we've had rocket ship growth. We, we raised a seed round in April of 19. So like very quickly, my job was to go out and get money so that we could scale this thing. Uh, so we raised two and a half million dollars then. Um, last year, uh, Right about now, I started raising money uh, for our Series A. Mm-hmm. The worst time on the uh, in the history of raising money, uh, the the like third week out of COVID, uh, it was a it was a very difficult task, uh, but we did it. We got uh, we had a couple of term sheets, and we we chose to raise money from Tribeca Venture Partners out of New York. Uh, so we raised five million dollars last. I think we closed it in July, um, and uh, and so yeah. So now we've got you know two products. Uh, first one, uh, squarely uh, achieving product market fit. Our new um, e-commerce product, we actually just commercially launched it this week. 
Uh, so for those, when, depending on when you're listening, this is uh, mid-March of, of 2021. Right. Uh, and uh, we launched on this site called Product Hunt, which is where yeah. a lot of tech companies mm-hmm. launch uh, their, their new products. And we were the number one product uh, of the day on Product Hunt on Monday. So um, we think that we're you know, uh, getting ready to get on the next rocket ship uh, from a product market fit again. Uh, and so, yeah, things are, are pretty exciting to be at clean.io. So I would imagine that, I mean, COVID has had such a unique effect on, on different businesses. I mean, it almost killed brick and mortar, but yet online shopping, you know, I mean, Amazon, it's the best thing that ever happened to them. So where, where yeah. do you, does clean.io fit in that? Was it, was it, and I mean, I don't ever want to use the word blessing, you know, but of this happening, but how how did you what impact did you see in clean io with from covid so i, I said we're a cybersecurity company and wherever cybersecurity companies operate and wherever there's disruption that is like an inviting place for bad actors mm-hmm. and so when uh the early days of the pandemic if you'll remember about a year ago um stores were closing right? Like retail was closing, auto dealerships closing, movies not launching, like all these sort of things. Right. Well, guess who are the biggest advertisers on the planet? All of those companies. Yep. And so since the economy was closing, all of those folks said like, hey, we're not going to spend any money on ads. Hmm. So they pulled all their ad dollars back out of the ecosystem. Well, that created an opportunity where there's a, uh, you know, supply and demand tug of war. And there just wasn't enough demand for the amount of supply that was there. And so prices dramatically dropped. Mm. When prices dramatically dropped, that opens a big door for the bad Mm -hmm. actors. So there was a big scale of threats in the ecosystem uh, in the last March to last, you know, May timeframe. And so demand for our services was actually very high. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk about e-commerce and the, you know, the, the chaos and upswing that that's experienced, you know, 10 years of growth, probably in the last 12 months. Um, and similarly speaking, yes, like we're in the midst of launching our new product. We've been in beta now for about six months with this product and, um, it's like, you know, it's a rocket ship again. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I wouldn't say like the pandemic is like, we were having, we were a rocket ship before the pandemic. Um, but I think, you know, it definitely probably accelerated the market need for our products. And like these little, like mom and pop Shopify stores, do they have a need for a clean IO? And, and is, I mean, is it that at that level as well versus say it, you know, the unicorn called Amazon, is it? Yeah, I would say that. um, So if you think about on the e-commerce side, so our product clean cart um, right now supports, you know, uh, Shopify stores um, at scale. Um, The, the lion's share of the problem of honey and Wikibuy and these other discount extensions, honey will say that they work on, 40,000 or 50,000 different stores. And so my gut says most of that like long tail, like mom and pop Shopify yep. store, yep. probably not impacted. Right. But my, my gut says if you're doing somewhere north of 500,000 to a million bucks a year in sales, you're probably, probably starting to see list. some, some impact. And yeah. you can go to, you know, if you have honey on your computer, you can go to joinhoney.com and you can type in any merchant and see how much honey can save you. Or if you are a merchant, you can go on there to see if they are indexing your site and how much they're able to save for your users when your users are on your site, which just does not make sense that anybody else's code is able to execute on your site when you own it. I mean, I would, I would think if you could knock out some of the, the uh, non-applicable, you know, discount voucher codes and things like that, that you could almost pay for the service just in the savings on against honey. That's our goal. Like our goal mm-hmm. is to make it such a no brainer that like, 
you know, yeah, with a couple orders of, of saving, you know, like I, I talked about that one experience, month, I got, yeah. I got a hundred percent off on that <laughs> store. Yeah. Like, so basically the $60 shirt was free. I had to pay $10 mm -hmm. in shipping. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. So we want to make it such a no brainer that like you deserve that protection. Why would you not take it? It's a, it's a total insurance policy. And ultimately not only do we block, but we give you insights and analytics to help you understand here's exactly what's happening on your site. Here are all the discount extensions that are, that are uh, activating. Here's what percentage of your users have those. Here's all the coupon codes that they've tried to automate and, and, and jam in at checkout. Right. Um, so yeah, we really try and help make the user, make the, uh, the e-commerce e merchants a little smarter about what's happening on their store when these things are all kind of taking over that user experience. So walking back kind of through our interview a little bit, you, you, you kind of walked us through the stories of, okay, we build it up, we sell it, we build it up, we exit, we build it up, we exit. Is this, a, is this another opportunity for Clean to uh, experience a nice exit in a couple of years? Or is this one that's, you know what, we're actually in this for the long haul. We, we really do see this as, as a, a, such an important, you know, it's almost like a social good you know, that we're providing on and doing good business at the same time. So which one are we kind of leaning toward? You know, I, I like to focus on just building long-term sustainable businesses that um, people value, the customers value. Uh, and ultimately at, at some point, um, I do think folks outside of, uh, you know, our current investors will value this thing, whether that's the public markets, whether that's, you know, a potential acquirer, um, and so our goal is just to keep building a great big business that uh, with products that people love, uh, we have a net promoter score of 86. That's that, incredible. Like it's, like it's world-class. So yep. we're very fortunate. We've built, you know, I've always said like I, in my past, I've had, I think good technology folks, but really good salespeople. And in this business, I'm so fortunate that we have amazing technology that virtually sells itself. Oh, and by the way, we have really good sales and client mm -hmm. success team, mm -hmm. which the recipe between these two is just, it's dynamite. And so, um, you know, I think it's like control your destiny, build a product that people love, invest in the product, invest in your people, and you'll control your destiny. You'll, you'll, it'll write itself. So where do you see clean IO in five years? Uh, on protecting the biggest sites on the planet, um, you know, protecting the biggest merchants on the planet. Um, probably net new ecosystem that we're out protecting as well. Like we believe that cybersecurity companies, you know, protect verticals. And so we started in the advertising technology vertical, we've moved to e-commerce. I'm sure there's something else, whether it's, you know, like enterprise security or, right. you know, who knows what the next one is, but um, five years from now, I think we're just going to kind of keep going wider uh, and hopefully a lot deeper with our partners and build strong, sticky relationships where, you know, our uh, long-term value is very long uh, and that folks, uh, you know, high retention value and folks that, you know, love our service and keep, keep rocking with it. Well, Matt, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today and just kind of sharing your story. And, and I have thoroughly enjoyed, I mean, it's been an educational experience for me too, because I, I mean, I don't know if you could notice or not, but the questions I asked you were because I simply did not know the answer. <laughs> you know, I, and I wanted you to share with our audience as well, but it was such a unique you know, space and, and such a fast moving environment that, um, I mean, and you're such, it's such a unique, you know, niche in the market that I, I really wanted to kind of give you the opportunity to unpack that for us and, and really kind of share the why behind, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning and, 
and tell us how, how, what's the best place to find you online and maybe who the ideal client would be to, to look at clean, clean.io. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, so Matt Gillis, uh, you know, look me up there. Uh, my email address is uh, Matt at clean.io. So if you want to drop me an email, would love to hear from you. Um, ideal clients, folks that make money through ads. You know, if you've got a website, if you're doing some scale and volume and you've got, you know, open programmatic media, making your money, you probably should call us. <laughs> um, and if you've got a website where you're, you know, you're kind of having some pains from these third-party discount extensions, uh, where they're taking over your user experience and your revenue, uh, we can definitely help you on that front as well. So um, yeah, please be in touch, but uh, you're right. I think the, the key thing is if you haven't figured one thing out from this podcast, it's that I love what I do. Uh, and waking up every day, I think in this gig, what's fun about it is it is ever changing. Every day mm -hmm. is different. The bad actors aren't standing still. So, yep. you know, we kind of wake up to a new battle every day and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really exciting. I mean, I can just imagine you walking in every day, putting on the white cowboy hat. And uh, once again, we are marshalling the, we're the good the, guys, the interwebs. That's right. We are the good guys. Well, That's what's the, fun about certainly it. Yeah. Good guys right in a white horse for sure. We are hunting bad guys every day and there's nothing better. Right. And yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's cool. It's a lot different than making games for cell phones. It's a lot different than helping people make money on websites. Yeah. You know, now we're trying to clean up the mess that I started for my last two days. <laughs> hey, we all had to pay for our previous sins. That's exactly. Right. That's how we got exactly. it. Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's been a great, great time chatting with you. And just thank you for playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Matt, Thanks, have a Kim. great weekend. Cheers, man. Thanks. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.